welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm your sidekick, Brenna. <laughs> Indeed. And our <laughs> show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Tay-Swetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmakulu. And today's text, Nimona by Noelle Stevenson, was written in part when she was a student at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, Maryland, which is in the traditional lands of the Susquehannock, the Nentigo, and the Piscataway peoples. And we're going with where we think it was mostly written because mm-hmm. it's a fantasy text. It doesn't have a place that we can yeah. talk about territory in relation to. No, not really. And yet, I will say that there is so much richness in this text that I often feel like it could be a real place. Or maybe it's just because I love the text so much. It's um a really well-built world, considering there's actually not a lot of world building, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. the story is mostly character driven. It's about Nimona, who is a young girl. Maybe mm-hmm. question mark. Yep. <laughs> question mark. Um, she's a sidekick. She she wants to be the sidekick to Ballister Blackheart, who's like he was a knight, but because of a series of incidents involving a love story and mm-hmm. a disabling wound and a very ableist magical society. Yes. He turns evil ish. Uh <laughs> he actually has more morals than any of the good guys in the story. And Naturally. And so Nimona, who is a shapeshifter, she wants to like hook up with him and help him do crimes. Yeah, it's so (laughs) good because it's not only an inversion of the kind of story you would normally see, which is focusing on the hero and the hero's journey and the adoption of a, a cute, comely sidekick who helps them to thwart crime. This is absolutely a story about a pluckish evil sidekick who needs to be reined in from murdering people yes it falls into the genre of fantasy i like best okay um, which is very little walking first of all almost no walking fantastically small amount of walking Mm -hmm. (laughs) but no i really love stories that aren't about the hero i do find the hero's journey and the hero's cycle like really tedious so i love stories Hmm, i fell asleep yeah (laughs) I feel the same way about superhero narratives. Um, like there's a new novel out. I think it won Canada Reads last year. It was definitely in Canada Reads last year mm-hmm. called Hench, which is oh, okay. basically like if the Avengers had an HR department. It's about the people who worked in that <laughs> HR department. Okay. Like those are the kinds of stories I really enjoy. Like what is happening with the normal people in these magical worlds? Oh, right. like another example of it. I love how in The Mandalorian you get these conversations between like low rent stormtroopers who are like mm-hmm. guarding and you get to hear like their mundane conversations with each other yep. for some reason there's something <laughs> about that that tickles me and so this narrative about this like kind of down on his luck super villain not mm-hmm. even super just villain yeah and this sidekick it's exactly what i enjoy <laughs> well and it's so adorably kind of twee like And folks, we should probably acknowledge that Noelle Stevenson wrote this as part of her master's thesis to get her art degree. So part of what you're seeing if you are reading this as the comic is an evolution of her work over at least a year, I would say, if not more. Mm -hmm. 
and the big thing is that it starts off and it's so joyful and just fun and kind of plucky and then you will very quickly start to realize oh we're getting into darker deeper more melancholy more emotionally driven narrative arcs so that by the end of it it becomes almost a full-blown tragedy and i love watching that evolution in part because we get to see how she matures as an artist in a condensed format because of the way that this was developed. So that that also adds to my excitement about this text. Yeah, and also probably really important to note that this was a webcomic first, mostly, mm-hmm. Joe, because if anybody's listening who read the webcomic version, they're currently screaming at their podcatcher, talk right. about the fact that it was a webcomic! Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, Stevenson notes in the acknowledgments that the comic itself was really shaped by the kind of feedback that she got. Right. A webcomic is so much different than other forms of publishing comics because yes. it's immediate and so mm-hmm. too is the feedback. Yeah. And as we've seen, you know, when we did... Orange Marmalade. Orange Marmalade, yes. When we did that, you can see how reader feedback actually shapes the narrative in really concrete mm-hmm. ways. It looks to me like the same is true of Nimona. I think readers really liked the complexity of Nimona's character and Stevenson yes. responds by really ramping it up as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really does start almost as an episodic, what is this week's jokey adventure going to be? And then all of a sudden, it starts to become way more complicated. And like it's building out different kinds of emotional levels and i think if you're not prepared for that the back half of the comic can end up feeling really dark but i think you're right it was in response to what people were liking and wanting more depth from these characters and stevenson pushing herself as an artist to say okay where would this naturally go to how do i reflect the fact that i'm becoming older and i'm more competent in my own artistic style and my own ability to tell stories and so on i don't know it's i think really easy on one hand to look at this and say this is just a fun flighty comic with great Mm -hmm. art or you could look at it as like a portrait of an artist who is discovering herself And Mm -hmm. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. And I think that that's what makes it such an enjoyable read, particularly if you're a fan of Stevenson's other works. So listeners Mm -hmm. of the show will know for sure that Noelle Stevenson is one of the creators behind Lumberjanes. Yes, love it, love it. (laughs) And I, I think a lot of people come to Nimona after learning about her in Lumberjanes because Lumberjanes is so much more famous as a title. Mm -hmm. I certainly read Lumberjanes first. I did too. And I think that it's really neat to see her development. And she's been really open about the fact that like when she started it, she had no idea where it was going and it kind of took on a life of its own. And it's really, I just think it's a neat project to read that way. I also love Joe. I read on the Wikipedia that Stevenson was told, like, describe the plot in as boring a way as possible. Mm-hmm. And she describes it as man's new assistant doesn't care for his ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we should acknowledge that this is, uh, I mean, again, if folks are familiar with her work on Lumberjanes, which is a very, very queer positive text, this is another variation of that. Like, mm-hmm. this book is quietly and revolutionary queer. Like, there is... A homophobia in it in the form of the institute so they're not just ableist they're also homophobic mm-hmm. but so much of it actually seems to be about the the heroic battle between 
golden loin and <laughs> and uh and black heart yeah golden loin it's so good <laughs> like the difficulty in their relationship stems from the fact that they were the best of the best when they were training to become knights and it's so romantic comedy tropish that you know it all stems from a disagreement in which oh you booted me off my horse with that lance during that final test and that's why we can't be together and you're just like oh boys you need to talk <laughs> things out a little bit more well what i love about it is you can sort of see its roots in the freedom of a webcomic in that you know, our protagonist is absolutely steeped in trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nimona is a wildly traumatized girl, question mark? <laughs> I mean, I think we can say that she's a girl or she was, she began her journey as a girl and then it's a question mark as to what she eventually becomes. Is mm-hmm. that fair? I think that's fair. And our other protagonist, because the story is as much about Blackheart and his arc as it is about Nimona's. Mm-hmm. In fact, at the end of the text, you might even say he is the central character. Yes, yeah. And Blackheart is queer and disabled. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw a queer, disabled, central character in a fantasy story, right? Like he's right. he is the kind of character that can only exist, maybe not now, but certainly for most of our history has only been able to exist in independently created art, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what's a joy about seeing the mainstream success of everything Stevenson does, um, is that she brings that ethos and that idea that like queerness and disability and like different bodies and different Mm -hmm. kinds of people are just the world that we live in, whether fantasy or not. And she builds space for that in all of her titles. And I just, I don't know, I just think it's, it's always striking to me when a title like this goes from webcomic to totally mainstream publication like this is a harper collins mm-hmm. book yeah and it won like slate's best comic of the year yes and still publishing is like oh no there's no audience for that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> no and and you're absolutely right i mean one of the most refreshing things about this text too is that even though it is very obviously about tragedy and trauma and yeah blackheart is a total disaster in terms of like once you start to unpack what he's going through and yet it doesn't other him in a way that Mm -hmm. feels like stevenson is talking down to the audience she's not making accommodations for him like he's a perfectly able-bodied supervillain and a great knight and Mm -hmm. it's because yeah of course he is he has a disability and he's queer it doesn't mean that you know he has to go live in a dark closet somewhere Mm-hmm. he's out there living his life because that's what people do yeah so oh i'll have to bleep <laughs> that out <laughs> joe forgot which show he was recording <laughs> i just think it's it's such an empowering message and it's delivered with such a deft touch in this and deft as in d-e-f-t mm-hmm. <laughs> there's such there is such an affection for fantasy and superheroic tropes in oh, this yes. series yes because in many ways it's satirizing them all but it's satirizing mm-hmm. them in really loving and generous ways so that yes. if you are like 
we all know I struggle with fantasy, but I'm very <laughs> familiar. What? This is <laughs> news to everyone, Brenna. <laughs> I'm very familiar with the tropes of the genre, and I'm very familiar with the tropes of superhero narratives. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, I don't know, it's really nice to spend time with a text that invites you to, I guess, engage deeply with these ideas. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. But in this sort of funny and light and generous way, so that you super don't even see it coming when, yeah, you have a wildly tragic ending. Slash mm-hmm. a little hopeful. Yeah, and, and even that, though, is arguably still adhering to the tenets of the genres, right? Like, it's still very much a fantasy ending. It's big, it's bombastic, we've got magic, we've got dragons. It's very much a superhero tale, you know, it's somebody being heroic, making martyrdom sacrifices, and again, big explosions and so on. Yet it still kind of feels like it's lampooning that because of who the characters are, what their mm-hmm. journey has been, and so on. So I don't know, like, I I don't want to heap a ton of praise on this in the event that people haven't read it, and they go in expecting like, oh, this is just gonna destroy everything about the genre. <laughs> like, it it's not doing that. But the fact that it's doing all of this so well, and as you said, so gently, so easily, so I don't know. Why do we keep saying I don't know? I think playfully. (laughs) I think it's because it is a text that um, is subverting and skipping around a lot of different tropes and expectations. And so, yeah, I agree with you that you don't want to oversell it to someone who's coming at it for the first time. I think part of the joy of Nimona is to come to it with sort of minimal expectations isn't the right phrase, but not Mm -hmm. knowing what's coming is a real joy when you read this book. Yes. Yeah. But there is something about a text that can center queerness, disability, childhood trauma, and still be unrelentingly joyful. Mm -hmm. It's just hard not to recommend and it's hard not to get excited about. Yeah, I will say so we talked a lot about the narrative and the characters, but I do think that Stevenson deserves a lot of praise for her art as well. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. I'll confess, sometimes I wish that the book was a little bit bigger because I do find that the writing in particular, like the dialogue boxes and stuff can be a little bit hard to read. Yeah. But the way that characters are drawn with their very angular, kind of triangular faces, the way that Nimona, I hate to even have to say this, but she is a representation of a normal female body and therefore often gets labeled as big boned or generously plus size when you read reviews and critiques and stuff. (laughs) I like that all the things we've talked about are finding their way into the art, but it also feels distinct and unique from a lot of other texts. Yeah, I agree totally. I think part of what it's doing that's so interesting is that, you know, we're talking about these kind of thematic and social justice type issues, and they Mm -hmm. are central to the text. But they're also not at all what the text is about, right? Yeah. Ultimately, this is a story about a girl who wants to work for her hero, Mm -hmm. and she gets to work for him. (laughs) And then she ends up embroiled in a plot where these bad guys who are everybody else thinks are the good guys want Mm -hmm. to have her killed. And it's an adventure story. Yeah, it's a rollicking fun adventure story. One of the downsides of that is that a lot of the uh, reviews and critiques, particularly when Nimona first came out, 
um, basically elided all of this. Like, I didn't read any reviews that talked about it being a queer text or a text about mm. a disabled character or a text about trauma. Because if you don't want to see those things, right? there's a whole lot of action and adventure to yeah. read about instead. Mm-hmm. Which I think is fine from a reader's perspective. I think readers need to come to texts with whatever they come to text with. Sure. It disappoints me from professional reviewers to to right. align these, I think, critical components of how the text works. And amusingly enough, I find that, and this is maybe broadening beyond just the scope of this book, but I think it's a valuable conversation to have. I find that this more often than not happens when a text is really successful at mm-hmm. what it does it almost makes it easy for people to turn off that kind of critical lens and say, I just had so much fun reading Nimona. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, but you don't want to actually discuss what's going on and the ways that it's doing that. Nope, I just had fun. <laughs> I just had fun. Yay. Yay. Discussion closed. And yet when things are not as successful And we're looking for elements in which to criticize Mm -hmm. or justify why we feel like it's not working as well. That'll often be, "Mm, okay, well, maybe I guess we could talk about the queerness or the disability or Mm -hmm. the ableism or the surprising lack of fat phobia and all of these other elements, right? Then it becomes a topic for discussion because we didn't like something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think... The more mainstream and successful a text is, the less interested we tend to be in having mm-hmm. conversations about inclusion and representation. And that's, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> is that just a populist thing, you think? Like, we don't want to trash the thing that people are very obviously widely embracing? Yeah, maybe, I guess. Or, or maybe it's just about... I'm thinking of it from the perspective of critical reviewers. Maybe they think they're writing to a broader audience if they skip talking about that stuff. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's true, but it's disappointing. Because, you know, I remember reading the first reviews of Nimona, and all of them were glowing. All of them encouraged you to go out and read it, but none of them made me aware of the kinds of things that were in it, which Mm -hmm. if I'm thinking of the perspective from like, a young reader or like a school librarian with a limited right. budget looking at that what to bring in. things you should be taking note of because this is unique to this text. Yeah, yeah. And so I, that's why I think it's mm, concerning, I guess, is the word. Um, that tendency to focus on what is broadly appealing about a text. Because Nimona is broadly appealing. I think Absolutely. literally anybody who's read like any sword and sorcery is mm-hmm. going to find Nimona to be fun. Yes. Because it is. It is. But if you've got a limited library budget and you read a review that's like, this is super fun (laughs) versus like, here's some important important. representation that I see in this text and you've got to pick between those two books. Right. That's where I get concerned about our willingness to ally to these kinds of bigger conversations. Hmm. Hmm. You know me, I can always find a reason to be down. <laughs> no, I because I think one of the reasons that people, you know, I'm thinking back to the emails and the comments that we received for the 150th episode. One of the things that people like that we talk about is this kind of stuff, because I feel like sometimes these are conversations that otherwise don't happen because mm-hmm. they are uncomfortable and they're not always pleasant and they are a little bit down. But it doesn't mean that they're not worth having. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with all of that. I think it's important 
But also Nimona is just super fun. I mean, Nimona is just super fun, right? And part of it is I don't want to turn people, I don't want to make people think that the text is somehow like super didactic or like mm-hmm. really kind of like after school, especially because it's not. It's not, no. It's a real treasure of inclusion and trying to tell a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's it's also not perfect. Like, you can see the seams as she puts the story together kind of, like, live. And you can see <laughs> the art develop and become more sophisticated over the course of the book. Like, I happen to think those things are really great because, yeah. for me, it's a look in at a creator I admire. Mm-hmm. But I could see how that might not be someone's cup of tea. Like, I just think we don't have to just focus on the easy commentary, I guess. Right. But, again... It is super fun, and you should read it because it's super fun. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Six of one, half a dozen of the other. I don't know. Maybe we've said all we can say, that it's great, and you should definitely go read it. I will share the just heartbreaking news that I only found out this morning, Joe, Mm -hmm. which is that this had a film, greenlit, and in production. What? And it died. And of course, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And you know what? It's not going to happen because of your favorite thing in the world, the big um, Disney acquisition of Fox. Yeah. Because there was, a, I guess, a studio inside Fox called Blue Sky Studios, which was an animation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the Ice Age films. Right. So they got shuttered because Disney didn't need them, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously. Because they have Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. And when they got shuttered, they canceled all the projects projects. even though even though this film was 75 percent complete what brenna no why would you do this to me even though even though it was voiced by chloe grace moretz and riz ahmed oh come on brenna stop this (laughs) (laughs) no i'm so sorry makes me so sad no this is an unforgivable sin i'm (laughs) now i'm really upset (laughs) it's really not fair it's really upsetting I can't believe you would do this to me live, too. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe they would end a film that was 75% done. It makes no sense to me. I mean, admittedly, with animation, that could still mean months or maybe even a year's worth of work, depending on how many people are working on it and the scope and all that kind of stuff. But still, that is a significant investment to just walk away from. Yeah. And, like, it's not as though this wouldn't be popular. This book is popular. (laughs) You know, I know in that cast, Riz Ahmed as Blackheart is like inspired casting. Mm-hmm. It would have been so good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I discovered on a lighter, not quite as unhappy note, uh, <laughs> that this actually has a tie-in to last week's episode, Brenna. So I didn't realize that Noelle Stevenson had actually been doing some work on Marvel titles. So she has apparently written for both Thor, but also she was one of the writers for Runaways. I had no idea. Now, that must have been the second reboot, right? With I Rainbow think so. With at the yeah, helm, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And they have done a little bit of work together on other projects with Raoul writing and Stevenson doing the art. So I'm not surprised oh, to hear about that connection, but I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would also love to read her take on Thor. Right? I wonder yeah. if it's uh, the female Thor. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, I'm going to look that up after. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll have to... <laughs> this is the problem with doing this and then not having the answers is uh, we just are <laughs> putting things out into the universe that we don't have the answers to. You know what we could do? We could invite people to let us know if they've read either of those titles. Indeed. Yes, we could. 
If you want to talk to us about how Noelle Stevenson is the best, you can find us on the hashtag HKHSPod or at HKHSPod on the Twitters. Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at B Still My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And if you've got something longer, like I would love to see some Nimona fan fiction, Joe, mm-hmm, personally, mm-hmm. I think that would be great. Uh, yeah. It's hkhspod at gmail.com. Yes. And of course, you could be using that to also get a hold of us if you are following along with our book club selection, right, Brenna? Yes, that's right, book club. So we are deep into Trickster Drift by Eden Robinson. We super hope you're reading along with us. And don't forget to share your thoughts so we can include them on the show. Absolutely. Joe, where are we headed next week? Well, since we're properly into October, I thought we would... uh, Yes, it's exciting. I've actually programmed us an entire month of supernatural slash horror slash other things. So... Yeah. Also, Joe, if anybody's like still a little bit mad at us for taking three weeks off hiatus, you booked in an extra full-length episode too. So people are going to get a lot of us this I this month. Did and then you booked in an extra <laughs> minisode. So I did. folks, I did. we've got content coming up the wazoo for you. <laughs> October is busy. Indeed. Yeah. But next week, we're going to get things started with I Am Not a Serial Killer. So this is a 2009 book by Dan Wells, and then it was adapted by Billy O'Brien in 2016. Cool. I am actually kind of excited for this month. I don't normally like spooky things, but I like many of the spooky things you have selected. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. I think if nothing else, we're going to take you gently by the hand and see just how far we can push your comfort boundaries. But I don't think anything is going to be a complete disaster for you. You just may like some things more than another. (laughs) Which is always the case. Right. All right, folks, so you know what you're watching, you know what you're reading, you know where we'll be this time next week. So until next time. I'll see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. 